Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. And liftoff. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. If you're listening to this right on schedule, you just watched episode three. Red alert. You just watched episode three of Discovery, and you finally saw the Discovery. Yes. <laughs> the show is called Discovery for a reason. So that's really cool. So welcome again. My name's Jordan Hoffman. Brian is with me again, as always. Well, not as always. You weren't with Sometimes. me for last time. Yeah, I, I'm, when you're in, in New York, I'm here. When I'm here. when I'm Well, you're always in my heart, Brian. Thank um, you. But you weren't here last week when we did episode one and two. We had our special guest, Adam. And um, Brian, you just told me something about that. Yes. I, I, you told me that I was going to be disgusted by what Adam ordered, and I don't agree. I think that sounds delicious. The cheeseburger fries looked a lot more disgusting than what they <laughs> sounded like. It looked like... I don't want to. I don't want to say regurgitated, but it looked like somebody put a cheeseburger in their mouth, chewed, and then spit it out on top of French fries. I'm, I'm picturing like like sloppy Joe on poutine. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It was it was wild. So listen, episode three. Now, just to let you know what happened, Brian and I uh, were very lucky in that we saw episode three before you. So we're recording this a couple days early, just so we can make sure that we had this flying uh, flying in your face at warp speed. Um, because we're still figuring out how we're going to do week to week here on Engage the Official Star Trek Podcast. It's going to work out. But um, we saw it, uh, Brian, and we didn't even see it together. You saw it on a Thursday. I saw it on a Friday. Correct, yes. And uh, it's funny because I was out in L.A. for episode one and two, the big premiere at the Cinerama Dome, which is one of the most fun and funky theaters in the world at the Arclight Cinemas in Hollywood, uh, Arclight, excuse me, and it was great to see uh, to see it there, the shot of Michael Burnham at the beginning going out on the EVA to go to the sarcophagus ship. It looks great. You see the vastness of space and the little dot. And then uh, here in New York, uh, there was a secondary press screening of episodes one, two, and three. And what's funny is that that was in a conference room. Yes. With not like I'd ex- I don't know what I was expecting. It's like, come see it at, at CBS Black Rock, which is the big. CBS building. We actually have our uh, like town hall meetings there, so I'm just like, yeah, wow, like what bad news am I getting? Oh no, I'm getting something good. <laughs> so you've been inside BlackRock before? Yeah, just for those town halls. Have you yeah. been in that room that, before? That's the exact room. Oh, it's the exact room. Yeah, okay, so it's not like I've been to other corporate uh, corporate Death Stars, as I like to call them, <laughs> and I've been to the one that Hearst has. Uh, I used to work okay. for Hearst, and Hearst has like a theater that's really nice, and um, I've seen the one that Time Warner has. And uh, they're like screening rooms slash theaters. And this, I mean, I, I must assume, I have to think that CBS somewhere else has, because this was just like a room and there was like, it was like being at school. Like they had little desks and chairs. Yeah, it looked like a, like a, like a high school lunchroom sort yeah. of. Yeah. Well, they had, there, there was some fruit and yeah. cookies in the back. There were some really good oatmeal raisin cookies. Oh, yeah, those cookies were actually, I went back for seconds in the cookies. I had three of those. <laughs> <laughs> I had one per episode. So I'd seen, uh, I'd seen one and two again, but I wanted to see it a second time, obviously, as the host of Engage Special Star Trek Podcast. And what's funny, I was having such a science fiction day. I ran from the screening of Blade Runner 2049 to Discovery. And how was that? Not to brag too much. You know <laughs> what? Um, I can't say yet. I, li- I liked it. I can tell yeah. you that I liked it. I'm not Good. getting into specifics, but I really liked it. And it is a visual feast. 
It's Roger Deakins, the cinematographer. It looks as good as the original Blade Runner. I mean, and sounds as good. The music is great. It's awesome. So dig. Um, Episode one happens. Episode two happens. And then we get to episode three. And that's where we're at. Um, But I guess now's as good a time as any. For those of you who are listening and are maybe still on the fence about CBS All Access, let me tell you that this podcast is uh has a sponsor which is cbs all access which is like the dumbest <laughs> sponsor ever because the whole show is an ad for cbs all. well maybe not may you know i might uh, be an advocacy for uh who knows i could go rogue and tell you to to move to canada and watch it on the space network or something but no if you live in these united states the way to watch star trek discovery is on cbs all access and i am an honest man i will tell you that Nobody woke up one morning and said, yes, I would prefer to pay money to watch Star Trek on TV. <laughs> Nobody wants that. But you understand the business uh, implications. To do sci-fi on television, you need uh, a new way of doing it. It's not the 90s anymore. It's not even the early 2000s with Enterprise. These shows are not going to work on broadcast, and uh, they're going to work on streaming. So dig this. Here's what you get for CBS All Access, because Brian... Yes, I don't know about you, but I just signed up for CVS All Access. So did I. Actually, funny, funny you mentioned these these uh, these shows don't work for broadcast. Yeah, I have I don't have cable, so I have a tuner, digital tuner. Yeah, and it worked fine for when sixty minutes was on, and no issues whatsoever. Yeah. As soon as Discovery starts, <laughs> the audio cuts out, the picture gets all pixelated. So oh, I had man. to sign up that night. So you're a cord cutter. Yeah, yeah, I'm a cord cutter too, and it usually works out for me pretty well. Um, but when you get CBS All Access. Which is five ninety nine with the ads, nine ninety nine without the ads. When you get it, um, you get live CBS. So if you're into football, yep. you can watch the football. Or if you're mildly into football and don't want it enough to replace your cord, you get that. You get all the CBS shows that are currently on, you know, Young Sheldon or whatever the heck they got now. And then uh, all the legacy shows. You got like 900 episodes of I Love Lucy are on there. And all the Star Trek, certainly, and even some movies. I was watching, I just sort of hit play to see it. They had the original Thomas Crown Affair with Steve oh, McQueen. Wow. I watched the first 10 minutes, which I'd seen before. But the main gig is and is the new show. You got to watch a new show on CBS All Access. It's not, it's a, the first week is free and then it's uh, $5.99. So I did the math. Forget the free week because uh, uh, the math for that is too complicated. But let's say you're <laughs> in, the, in the mix. You've already used your free week. Four episodes of Star Trek. At five ninety nine, it's a dollar and a half per episode. That's not like six not quarters. Six yeah. quarters for an hour. All right, less than an hour because there's commercials. Fifty two minutes, six quarters. I feel like that's that's cool. I feel like I, I don't. When you look I'm at it like that, that, it's a way to do it, and you get to take part of this conversation, which is watching uh, Discovery as it happens. Now there are some people who are real. They got a real bug up their butt about paying. They say they're going to wait and then binge it all. All right, do what you got to do. I like being week to week. This show is about being week to week. Yeah, it's it's nice to have yeah something that week to week sometimes. But if you want to, yeah, because everything else pressure, is binge. There's too much pressure to binge things. Yeah, dude. Stranger Things too was like, oh my god, I got to cancel my plans and binge it all. Yeah, because no. otherwise it's going to get spoiled. Yeah, week to week. That's what I like. But if you want to binge it all, at the end you have that option. Wait until December and then get it. You know, do your free week. You can watch it all during the free week and cancel then. I, you didn't hear me say that. But <laughs> anyway, that's the deal with All Access. And uh, it's way, it's the wave of the future. It's not the wave of the future. It is the future. The future is now. It, yeah, it's the now. It's the now. It's not the, the wave of the now. So uh, Brian and I are paying for All Access uh, out of our own pockets because we love the show. And uh, now we can talk a little bit about uh, Discovery. Now, um, before we get into season uh, episode three... Let's just take a look at some of the reviews uh, that, uh, by and large, percentage-wise, most people dug it. Not everybody dug it. There's um, a couple of critics didn't like it. Uh, in fact, a guy that I know didn't like it, Sam Thielman. Uh, I don't, I've never met him, but I'm friends with him on the internet. He he was one of the few negatives, so I'm curious to read why. Uh, Kimber Myers, a close personal friend of mine at the Playlist, writes, and I'm using uh, Rotten Tomatoes as a point of her blurb. The show couples pure Star Trek spirit and references that will make fans grin, but has enough action and compelling characters to draw in people who don't know the difference between the Kelvin and Prime timelines. Do you think that's accurate, Brian? Yeah, no, I was explaining pe- to people today even uh, that you really don't need to know very much. I mean, like, there are definitely some details that add to your enjoyment of it. Yeah. Um, but by and large, you you can go into this blind and still find it a very enjoyable you show. You kind of can. The only, like, you don't. 
need to know and like it's good to know that Vulcans are logical but even if you don't know that well I thought the only thing the the one fact that I, I said that would be more that adds to it was that you know that Sarek is Spock's father most right. casual fans that have seen maybe just the more recent movies although yeah. Sarek is in them they may not remember that so I think that adds some extra context to it is a o- newbie only just because spock is like one of the most important pop culture figures yes in, absolutely in the world so like if you know oh, that guy at spock's that's like you know charlie chaplin's tramp and spock are like neck and neck so it's good to know yeah the it's connection not to spock, it's not but, just some random vulcan it's yeah. a very important vulcan right right but but for the but for like plot points you don't really, you don't really need that need, either yeah yeah so that's what Kimber Myers wrote, and uh, it's funny. I've been wanting to have her on the show for a long time. Um, other positive notes: I, I, people loved Sonequa Martin Green, yes, which um, is great because uh, I think both you and I are not watchers of The Walking Dead. I, I was for a long time. I stopped. Um, a, was it the beginning of seven? I don't remember. I just stopped watching TV. Was she already part. on on no. at that point? She yeah. Came oh later. yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. She. Yeah. Um. I mean, she's no longer on the show. Yeah. But. Wow. Good. She's on our show now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she was excellent on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah she's really great, and Doug Jones is uh, awesome as Lieutenant Saru. He's so funny and just interesting, and just you just want to know more and about what's tall. going on. He's a tall, thin man. That was very, um, very, very apparent yeah. to me in this episode. That's what he really. I mean, we heard when we did our red carpet interviews. He's like, he gets to be. He's like, finally, I'm me. I'm like, no, you're an alien race called a Kelpie. And he's like, no, no, this is what I finally look like. I'm like okay, <laughs> so he's pretty great. And um, uh, uh, Captain Georgiou, I love the dynamic between the three of them. You know, yes. And then of course, this is a spoiler full zone. He, she's murdered, killed. Stabbed by Takuvma, and we see him die. We see her. Saru says we've lost her life signs, but they never beam her body back. That is true. Now, I have no insight into this or Michelle Yeoh's contract, but I am saying that we never see her body again. It, you know, this is science fiction. It's very true. She could be regenerated. She could have her DNA grafted onto a Klingon. That would be weird. Or she could just be dead. You she know? could be dead. Um, I mean, I, I'm expecting to see her in further flashbacks anyway. Right, because she's the uh, she I mean, is the mother figure. Yeah. We haven't seen Amanda, uh, Sarek's wife, uh, but we see Sarek as a father figure. We see her as a mother figure to Michael Burnham. And there's a great flashback scene of when she first comes on the Shenzhou. Yes. And Burnham's wearing that awesome red that was very cool, cloak yeah. or whatever it is. So... Yeah, we'll probably see. Well, who knows? We might not see her ever again. We might only see her in flashback. Or I'm just floating this. And again, I have no intel. Uh, maybe she's going to come back because we never got her body back. And maybe they're going to use her DNA. So uh, the question I have is, is um, obviously I'm not as knowledgeable <coughs> with Star Trek as you. Um, but in this is in much earlier in the timeline when technology is not as advanced. Anywhere in the future, are you able to transport non-living objects? Oh, um, that's not sorry. No, I mean, uh, a dead body. Can you transport a dead body yes. anywhere in the future? Have they yes, done that? I wonder. That's a good point. Why didn't they do that? Is because they couldn't read the. I think at that point they were transporting based on bio signs. Okay. In later Star Treks, what they do is they transport anything that has a com badge on it. That's so like uh, there's a you know there's like a weapon or something. Because like, I definitely remember them transporting things other than crew members. Oh yeah. Well, in this they transport the uh, photon torpedo that's orb right. oh, that's true. onto yes. the dead body. So I guess it can go out. I think, you know, it's funny in the um the way it worked in the in, in, in Saru it says, "We have lost Captain Giorgio's life signs. Are you okay?" And she's like he's like, "Yeah." It's been then Burns like, "Where? Well, I'm under enemy attack." And he goes, "If she is deceased and and she says, I'm not coming back without her body. And then Sarah says, she is deceased and you are in peril. I must beam you immediately. Boom. And yep. then she goes, ah. By the way, when they go to fight the Klingons, the two of them. First of all, it's awesome. It was awesome. That the two of them go over there and kick ass. <laughs> and they both get um, assaulted. Uh, she gets assaulted by, uh, Giorgio gets assaulted by Takuvma, the, uh, the, the man who's, who's going to unite the houses. And she gets attacked by Vok, who's going to be his second... It's going to be the new Takuvma. And when she grabs, when Vok grabs Michael Burnham, 
she flips out. Yes, that was a very loud scream. She screams and shrieks, and I don't know if it's because he's hurting her or she's having some kind of psychological break because she hates the Klingons. I was assuming it was a little of both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that he's a bit stronger as well. (laughs) Probably that too. All right. Although she's raised in Vulcan, she does not have natural Vulcan strength, which is shown in that she uses the Vulcan nerve pinch, and it doesn't take that long. Yes. Like, Spock uses the Vulcan nerve pinch. You're out for like an hour. Yeah. She uses it, and Giorgio's out for like five minutes. Yeah, if even. (laughs) Yeah. Not the first human to use the nerve pinch. I mean, Picard used one, so it, it, it can happen. Uh, when I was a little kid, I thought like uh, Vulcans had some kind of magic in their fingertips, you know, <laughs> that they could do it. But uh, even in TOS, Kirk says at one point to Spock, "One day you're going to teach me how to do that." You know, <laughs> uh, so so um, getting back though to that moment when she flips out, it's just a really interesting uh, acting choice, and that they left it in, you know, that because yeah. uh, it kind of wakes you up, and it's like, hey, this is supposed to be the hero of our show, and she's flipping out right now, you know, but yeah. she is. A character in in movement in transit. You know, she's not yet the hero because she does um, uh, she does some pretty rough things. I mean, she disobeys an order. She is either the most emotional Vulcan or the most logical human. You know, she's neither neither it's fish nor very, fell. You know, it's a very good uh, so, analogy. So, and she is not up to snuff, which is interesting because at the beginning in the prologue. Uh, Georgia was like, you're ready for your own command. And, and that's not it. That's not true. She's not ready, you know? This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. So that takes us to episode three. So, how awesome is the first shot of episode three? Her hair's different. Oh, yes. She's wearing a prison mustard yellow. Six months later. And she's with a bunch of scumbags that are in going to uh, a, a penal colony. Yes. Which, um, you know, you don't see too much of crime and punishment in the Federation, in the Utopian Federation, but it does exist. There was a penal colony in TOS, and you know there are bad guys in the future, even though there aren't that many of them. And uh, she's on that shuttle. And uh, the first thing I jotted down was I needed to do more research about uh, they're calling her the mutineer, which yeah. I love that she's already like a folk folk antihero, yes. you know. Oh, you're the mutineer, Michael Burnham. And then the shuttle gets attacked by species G five fifty four. Wow, I'm, I'm, that was <laughs> what was I wrote it down. I mean, that was the the, the bugs that yes, attacked. Yeah, the little, yeah. yeah, I I would never. I didn't think I even heard them. Somebody them. They said something like, "Oh, species G five fifty four is all over the." Boop, 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 you know, and so I'm like, "What? I got to write that down." Because even even nerdier than species eight four seven two from Voyager. So, uh, but here's the question, right? Everybody listening has seen the whole episode, right? The whole coincidence is the. Species G five fifty four attacks them in a storm. Uh, the shuttle craft pilot goes out to, I guess, wash the windows <laughs> of whatever <laughs> is on there, um, and then there's a bump, and the shuttle craft pilot zooms off to a certain death, which is more action than you ever saw in old Star Trek. You know, it's like holy crap, people on board are freaking out. We're gonna die, and then the tractor beam from Discovery. To what extent did this mysterious Captain Lorca, Jason Isaac's character, set that all up? I mean, I, th- I think this was all very planned. Do you think it was planned to the point that he wanted to kill a shuttlecraft pilot? Um, good question. Uh, I mean, I- I'm definitely sensing some, some gray overtones with Captain Lorca. Mm-hmm. Um, would he go so far as to kill a fellow Starfleet officer to get what he wants. Um, I, I don't know yet. I think that might have just been an accident. I think so. I think so. But I also think he doesn't care. Like, all he cared no. about was getting Burnham to that ship. Yes. By any means necessary. And he diverted the ship, somehow sent a storm of those little bugs, which he could certainly do, because he's got, in the last scene, he's got a menagerie of crap in there. He just Yes, he does. He does that snorting beast from the other ship yes in the cage now there's a skeleton of what looked like a gorn to me 
in the last shot before when he says to his um, to the head of uh, security, the woman whose name I don't remember right now, and he's like, "Thank you for bringing this to me." And then you cut, and you see it's a snorting beast. Right? Yes. Cut back to him, and he's in a menagerie of like stuff, and there's things in cases. And it would be to his left, so the top right of the screen, okay. there's a skeleton in a case. And, and to like me, gorn. that looked like a Gorn okay. skeleton. Okay, no, I'm not sure I remembered that necessarily. Which but. would break canon to a degree because Kirk never, Kirk and everybody else never heard of a Gorn until the episode Arena in original series. That was the first interaction with a Gorn. Well, it's it's possible. I mean, it's very clear they're doing some shady stuff Black here. Ops. Black Ops right. off-the-book stuff. And so. that's why this is, this is a brilliant way to write out of so many canon breaches. Yeah, I agree. Because if whatever we're going to find out is that Discovery is all on the down low, yeah. then they can have anything they want and just they make sure that the information never leaks. It's like, it's like mind-wiping C-3PO at the end of episode three. Yeah. Which is the records, you know what I sh- you know what I, I'm embarrassed I should not have compared Discovery <laughs> prequels let let me let me strike that let me strike that from the record I only meant sort of as housekeeping yes I always felt yes. that mind wiping was it called mind wiping mind scraping what are they called um, I don't remember whatever they did to him I try to block those movies from yeah me. I always felt like I kind of knew that was coming I knew that was coming from episode one I'm yeah. like I gotta do something yeah. with C-3PO he's not, not what gonna he remember. wouldn't remember yeah and then finally when it comes like oh, thank god everybody can shut <laughs> up now so I think the fact that whatever's happening on this ship might be uh, they've got that ready on the back pocket of how to clean yes. things up so let's not worry too much about that but um but, but going back a little bit so after the shuttlecraft they finally get into the shuttle bay of Discovery, right? And that's when you meet the new character, the um, uh, chief of security, whose name I don't remember because I'm, I'm Yeah, I, I could not pick up on her name during the episode. Um, I mean, I, I know the actress. Yeah. I've seen her in tons of things. Um, I would look it up, but I've got all this in front of me here. Um, but finally, uh, the ship is a little bit brighter. It looks different than the Shenzhou did. You know, the Although Shenzhou- we know that's the same set. <laughs> That's right. Um, but like it's well, like the Shenzhou, I'll, I'll be frank. I mean, I love the look of the first two episodes. I certainly love the space battle stuff and I love the extra vehicular stuff. And I dig the Klingon garb and their look and whatnot. But um, that ship, like if I had to spend the whole season on the Shenzhou, it might drive me batty a little bit. It was too dark and maybe a little bit too much like. Like Ener- like the show Enterprise. Um, it's Commander Landry. Landry, right. That, yes. And who plays Landry? Uh, Rekha Sharma. Yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. And um, uh, I'm glad when they get to that shuttle bay and you first meet Landry, it's like, oh, they have better lighting in here. Or just not, <laughs> maybe not better, maybe not more cinematic lighting, but I mean like better if you're trying to like See? read a memo. Yeah. yeah if you're trying to read a memo in there. And it started to look a little bit more like Star Trek. Although the yes. attitude at that point with Landry, especially, she's tough as nails, reminded me a little bit of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I, I definitely got some Battlestar vibes from this, especially yeah. this episode. Yeah, because everybody's really tense. Yes. Because they're in the middle of the war, and uh, they're not behaving. The, they are beha- To me, I interpret it as having only watched it once, there still is the element that was unique to a Star Trek Starfleet officer, that they're there for the purposes of higher calling and good and exploration and whatnot. Uh, but they know that they're in the in the shit, that they're, you know, in the middle of a war and they have to win this thing. And uh, that comes in with uh, Stamets' group, the secret lab that's doing their secret stuff. Yes. Um, you could tell they're still good people. I mean, they make jokes, and Stamets is on the uh, video Skype with his buddy on the other ship, and they're human beings. But, you know, the stakes are very, very high. It feels like a war film in a way. And they also, it's not that they don't respect, they're not respect, it's not that they don't trust uh, Lorca, but they know that he means business. You know what I mean? Like, I, as a viewer, my defenses are up around Lorca because I'm like, when's the shoe going to drop? What terrible thing is he doing? <laughs> and maybe he's not doing a terrible thing. He just has a very, you know, he's very goal-oriented that we have to win this war. Yeah, no, I, he, he strikes me as, as you know, the, the do-whatever-it-takes type, yeah. um, that, that, which is why he seeks out Burnham. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of neat. Um, and what does he have on his desk? What did he have on his desk? A tribble on his desk. Did he? You didn't oh, see didn't, that? No, I didn't notice it. Oh. You didn't hear it? No, I didn't. He has a tribble on his desk. Wow, no, I completely Which I, I guess it's a neutered tribble. I don't know how, but he for sure has a tribble on his desk huh. uh, in his ready room, uh, and he has not reproduced and has not caused havoc. <laughs> so it is a tribble. Yet? Zero point, <laughs> Mach 1 or whatever. So, you know, and I guess the fact that he's got a tribble on his desk humanizes him a little bit. You know, he's like a little, you know cute guy yeah I, I mean i don't see him as being like a flat-out evil character like yeah. I, I think he's just gonna you know have have some questionable actions here yeah. and there but I, i'm not flat out like he's not lucius malfoy to me no no <laughs> i mean he's he's probably going to be like ds9 in the thick of the dominion war where they make some really tough calls yeah. you know garrick uh doing what he had to do and 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 cisco going with it um Episode three has kind of the first real g- joke in the show. I guess there's a, a couple of jokes with Saru in the first two, but when Cadet Tilly shows up, she's finally, you're like, ah, comic relief, you know? See, now, I actually felt that some of it felt a little out of place, I oh, guess. A little too Mary Sue, maybe? Yeah. Um, it, it Not that it was anything wrong with uh, the actress, uh, Mary Mary Wiseman, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, not that anything wrong with her performance, but it, it, like the lines and the dialogue felt a little strange with the general tone of the rest of the episode. Everybody's at war and everybody's panicked about being destroyed anytime and she's a little bit like, wow, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, like almost... Self-conscious. A, there was almost like a like a Valley Girlish line in there somewhere, <laughs> which is, uh, felt really weird. But the, the little comedic uh, responses from that you got out of Saru sort of in, in, the, in the first two episodes, yeah. that felt a lot more appropriate and more in line with what, everything else going on. But yeah. I definitely felt a little out of place with that well you know i i don't disagree that some of the uh dig what's happening here this is really a second pilot they started the show again because the first episode is a prologue yeah first two episodes it's almost like it's like a like a little mini movie first really before the the first two episodes are one episode as far as i'm concerned and it's all a prologue and everybody you meet gets killed except for two people yeah and then episode three you don't see the klingons again all that fuck, wah, wah, wah is gone. All that, all that, all that subtitle reading, and then you got to meet a whole new cast. Yeah, you got to meet Lorca, um, uh, Stamets, Stamets, and then you got to meet her roommate, who is supposed to be comic relief. And some of the dialogue is—I don't want to say awkward dialogue. I want to say like we got to get our work, we got to get it done. You know, yeah. it's very hard to do. Um, Pilots. I mean, all show pilots are problematic, and this <laughs> Star Trek pilots have. I mean, I mean, Caretaker from from Voyager, I, I thought was probably the best. Uh, but you know, you watch the TNG pilot, and it's ugh, it's a mess. Yeah, and they, in a way, Discovery really um, made it harder on themselves by having to do a double. I mean, the show is so different, episode three from the Absolutely. previous two. So it's like starting over again. So I know what you mean. Like the, some of the humor there is, um, it's like yeah, they're kind of like first day at school, and they're and she's you know Tilly is very chit chatty, and then it would be like it would make sense if she worked maybe um, in the cafeteria, but she's in the thick. Yeah. Of, no, I mean you know, she's in Stamitz's group, so she knows how high the stakes are. It's a little yeah. bit funny. I, that she's. I almost so didn't mind that that she worked there. I mean, no, it was that, great that, to see her. That it's, yeah. a, that it's a weird kind of like a quirky character, and that's a very highly skilled person as well. I don't mind yeah. that at all. But it's like I think some some of the comedy felt a little out of place in her lines. That that was yeah. But I mean, hey, maybe it'll grow on me. I mean, uh, for for a second, I questioned like this felt more appropriate for the Orville, <laughs> which I'm also enjoying. Yeah, the Orville rules. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen episode four of the Orville yet, but uh, I don't. I don't even know what night it's on, so I've only seen the first three. Yeah, it's it's who knows. Television right now is very complicated, <laughs> but um, you know, I I thought it was funny, and then she's a chronic snorer, and she's like a. It's like I can see. I certainly see her being a fan favorite. Yeah, Tilly, and I, you know, I thought, and she's you know young, cute, and then just like, and the actress who plays her is very 
very nice when I, when I met her for 30 seconds. I could see that, like, I'm going to enjoy getting to know her. You I know, think so very well, likable yes. character. I, I, I think so. You know, in a Neelix kind of way, in a in a Quark kind of way. I mean, somebody's <laughs> got to be that that role. Um, but I think that we're going to discover the fact that she was not just the goofy roommate, but in Stamets's group. And then when they go to the other ship, she's there too. And she does have that moment where she toughens up. She's like, yes. "Show yourself," you know. It's like, "Oh, all right." She's got some sand on her, yeah. you know. So it's, I think it's going to be an interesting character. But then they go to sleep, and. <laughs> We've had red alerts. We've had yellow alerts. On Voyager, we even had a blue alert. I remember the first when I'm seeing Star Trek three in the theaters, and there was a yellow alert. I'm like, "What's the yellow alert?" I was like, "Oh, that's the that's the alert where they just stand, uh, you know, in the in that sort of like uh, space and watch." They're like in a cafeteria or something, <laughs> and they watch the ship slowly try to escape on a yellow alert. Um, now we have a black alert. Yes. Black alert, and the black alert is, I, I don't exactly know why that's different from a, it's just a, it's an alert for a black ops, for yes. an ops that you don't talk about. Some, it means weird stuff's going to happen and you're not, you yeah. know, be prepared for it. So uh, the black alert was that they're using <laughs> whatever kind of, I'm a little mixed up on this myself, which is why I'm looking forward to watching it again. They've figured out some sort of post tra- uh, post warp transportive element within this f- uh, foundational uh, molecules of space time yes and they're able to uh, somehow exploit it to to go fast or to transport into other places almost instantaneously right uh, by using the veins of fa- <laughs> the fabric of reality itself which is wild. I don't quite know what they mean by it, and I don't know what implications it has for later Star Trek, because it's setting up some, like, well, why can we never saw this again? But um, using it is uh, dangerous because it'll make mercury bubbles float around your living quarters? Yes. And then when it happens, you're supposed to roll over and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so, so stuff's going on. <laughs> I guess you could stay asleep and ignore it. Right, and she's like, "What's what's going on?" This you weren't briefed. No, then I can't say anything. <laughs> and she goes to bed, and um, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. But I, it's cool. Like I, I got, I, I, I laughed out loud at that. That was that was good. Yeah. Even though I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And this does not seem like a standard Starfleet protocol, but. This is discovery. That's even a line, uh, right? I think somebody is, says yeah. this, this is, is discovery. discovery. So you have black alerts, <laughs> and then the ship gets dark, and you go to bed. You just put a put a, a blanket over your head. It's kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide. Put your, you throw uh, a non, towel over your head. You, you put your non-allergenic uh, uh, pillow under your head. Yeah. I'm going to do that like in life. When things are bumming me out, I'm going to be like, ah, black alert, and just go to bed. <laughs> I don't know. I hope we learn more. I hope we see more black alerts, and I hope we know what measures they're taking by... Just just ignore the f- the flubber. <laughs> <laughs> ignore the flubber. Um, you know what else was kind of cool? I mean, so the, the look um, of the ship, I like it. Now, um, you know, a couple, I've been poking around online, and there are some fans that just can't get over the fact that um, this is supposed to be before TOS, but it looks so modern. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, that is true. You know, that's life. Somebody else pointed out that, you know, the movies, the recent three films got away with that because they would say, well, the destruction of the Kelvins reset the timeline. So that means that you can't whine about this. And OK, but the, the, the prologue of that film is before the time that Kelvin gets destroyed. And that ship looked more modern, too. The Kelvin ship itself yes. looked more modern than anything else in either Enterprise or TOS. Say, so you got to... This is an unwinnable battle. It's either, it, it's either it's, it looks too fancy or it doesn't look yeah. fancy. And if it looked exactly like it did in TOS, then it, it's... Why does it still look like that? Right. It's been 50 it, years. It would look like one of those dopey fan films. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's an unwinnable battle, exactly. Um, but one thing that I thought was nice was uh, there are, and I suspect there are going to be more of these, there are little um, hat tips 
to the original design. Um, and one of them was when Burnham goes to work that day. She's a temp. They even call her yeah, like a temp. Too. She goes to work for the day, which is like, you know, like that's not like they're there to test her out, you know, yeah. but she goes to work for the day and she's handed a data chip. And it kind of looks like the old yellow squares from the original series, but it's a sleeker. It's a little translucent. You can just tell it's a different material, but it's clearly meant as a, remember those data chips that it's a nod, Chekhov yeah. would hand to Sulu when he clunk in the machine? It's like, that's what it's supposed to be. And I thought that was a really nice um, way of updating the older style. Yeah, that's something that I think you people just have to let go of. I mean, yeah. it, we want it to look better. I mean, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, whether and you know it or not, you want it to. It's a nice callback, but we definitely want it to look better yeah. now. So I would like to see more of those callbacks, but modernized. And I think you you will see that. Like there are some when on the Shenzu, like some of the buttons looked like. You know, it wasn't all like um, yeah, no, touch screens. Yeah, there were yeah, some, buttons, there, there were some levers and raised buttons. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, when they do some, they do some beaming. They it's 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 a touch screen, but it mirrored sort of white. It almost, uh, it's almost like this slider on my little audio board here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing that really was weird was the breath scan. Yes, I don't think I've ever seen that in any spy movie. No, ever. I don't think that was different. Definitely new to me. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, but I I thought it was neat. Yeah, I mean, it, and and she solved that, that uh, the the issue getting around that in an interesting with way. With drool, yeah, with drool. You know, Star Trek Beyond, they melt the door with Keenzer's uh, spit acid snot. Oh, snot. That's right. Yeah, it was not spit. It was snot. It was snot. You're right. You're and sick. with this, they use because uh, <laughs> she's a snorer. They've established that she snores. <laughs> So she's drooling. Poor, poor Mary Wiseman, because she's a, a beautiful young woman and a great role for her. And she's a snoring, drooling slob in this show. So, but she puts herself together nicely. You so, know, so. Um, do you did did Michael switch the pillows unknowingly to to get her to snore? Oh, that was the question I had. I mean, I I, wow. I kind of got that impression. <laughs> I mean, she she clearly can think her way out of a situation. I mean, I mean the yeah. the, the Briggs scene in the previous episode, which was no, great. Yeah, she's a smart. She's a smart. She was raised I mean, in Vulcan Learning Center. She's I felt. No dope. I felt like there's what other reason for them to throw that out there is she didn't actually switch it. But the, not that they show her. Uh, yeah. Well, that's one for the. Uh, that's the next time we get <laughs> Soniqua on the show. You know, we only had her briefly, but when we get her in here, we'll ask. That is a good question. I would like to say yes. Yeah. She switched the pillows and then got her to drool and then was able to then <laughs> she uses like the hypo spray to yeah. puff out a little air into the it was, it was so funny. Um <laughs> kind of silly but but really but in funny. a good way. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then uh what did I write down here with the breath scan then they mentioned the Geneva Conventions of 1928 and 2155 which is a classic Star Trek <laughs> you know mention something we know from our history yes and then something from the future <laughs> and um my other note I love the line I didn't know it was the episode of the the, the title of the episode is called oh, Context, Context for, for Kings. Kings yeah and I didn't know that and when they said that line, I jotted it down. I'm like, that's yeah, a good line. It was a good I'm line. I'm like, oh, I wasn't the only one who thought that. They yeah, named I the name of the episode. I, I didn't know that the, the name of the episode going into it either. Yeah. So. And then Saru puts salt in his tea. Re oh, I didn't notice when that. When he's drinking his tea, he unless the sugar is in a very long, thin cylinder, huh. but it looked like a salt shaker to me. So, Interesting. Uh, and then the other thing we need to think about is the first not explicit mention but the closest we've come to an explicit mention of Spock, when she says that Amanda used to read Alice oh, yes. in Wonderland to my stepbrother and I. Did she say stepbrother or? Um, yeah, I forget. It was a couple she, days ago. Yeah, she did mention him. She did call him something, but I don't yeah. remember exactly what my it was. Brother, stepbrother, half brother, something. something brother. Yeah. She mentioned a fella that though. I mean, if you're totally new to Star Trek, you don't know who, but most people would know that that's Spock. So that's the yes. first mention of Spock. So now we know. We can go back and look at every episode of Star Trek and know that within him is the knowledge of uh, Alice in Wonderland that she, <laughs> he had that read to him as a child. It's nice to think of Spock being read to as a child. You know, that that is different, you know. And then, uh, you know, so she proves herself um, on the away mission. 
gets the approval of not just Lorca, but also like Stamets. Stamets, who was uh, a little standoffish at first, I'd say. Yeah, well, Stamets is an interesting character because um, he is a scientist and an explorer. He reminds me a little bit of um, uh, from Wrath of Khan, uh, Kirk's uh, wife, the mother of David. Um, uh, Why am I blanking on the name, too? I could tell you her name in real life, but, you know, the the the, the founder of the Genesis Project. Yeah. Um, Doc, that's so embarrassing. I'm going to cut this part Marcus, out. Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus, yes. You can leave it in a long day. Brian's <laughs> been a long day. I um I was up late. I was up early. I did another podcast before this. Came here. Haven't had lunch. Not complaining. <laughs> having a great time. Having a great time having Star Trek Discovery on. Yeah. I mean, after all this time. And, you know, getting good responses on the internet um, from fans who listen to the show and just fans in general. I You know, I did. Here's the thing. Negative uh, people on the internet. Most of the people who are uh, who are negative about Discovery are not negative about the show so far. After two episodes, we're recording this before episode three goes on the air. Yes. We're on the stream. Maybe people will hate it. I don't know. But after the first two, not going to misrepresent and say there are not there isn't negativity. I would say seventy five percent of that negativity has nothing to do with the content of the show. It has to do with the distribution model. Yes. People who, a lot of people were unaware about All Access. I don't know how you could have been. It's been promoted for a really long time, but a lot of people were just sh- shocked. Yeah, at least at least a year football. and a half of uh, <laughs> that this podcast has been on. You know, because they're advertising. You know, they watch football and they saw the ads, and then yep. it was after sixty minutes, and they watched the first one. They're like, "What? I gotta I gotta do with stream." And um, I even on my own Twitter account said, "Listen, folks, if you use a Roku as I do." Um, do it now at noon if you happen to be home, you know, drinking coffee. Get on all access now because you know, like later, it's never quite as quick, quick as you, as want, you it want it to yeah. be. And also, when which it's, happened to me, whenever it's new, um, there, whenever there's a push, you know, there might have been. Uh, if everybody did it at once, I would imagine that there was. It, it might have what's it, stalled or you know, yeah. uh, t- taking a moment. Which I remember from HBO Go when HBO Go first became a big enough deal, and it was the first time. That a Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Um, there was a big uh, crunch, and everybody tried to get on HBO Go for the first time for like season three finale or whatever. Yeah. And it was a social media disaster for uh, HBO. So I said, guys, uh, get on. You know, might as well do it now. Get on all access now. And people, are, people who you know are are into are, are enough tuned in to follow me on Twitter and know how to tweet and know enough about life, we're like, oh, I thought it was on regular CBS tonight. I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's yes, yeah, the first episode, and then the second one, and you got to do it now. And like people, and other people are like, what? We, it's it's not on broadcast? I'm like, no, oh, God. I mean, no. I and mean, then I had to do my whole spiel again at six quarters an episode and blah, blah, blah. It is, it is a little unconventional. Oh, yeah. I, got, totally I, got, I don't think this has been done before, I mean, necessarily. No. Uh, so it, it's new, but but still, it, it, it's been out there. Right. So why was I, why did I even bring that up? <laughs> I brought that up because, um, oh yes, so most of the complaints were due to the, I'm not paying for this. Yeah. And I'm not, you know what, I hereby declare on episode 60 whatever of Engage the Official Star Trek Podcast. 66. On episode 66 and on the recap episode of episode three of Discovery, I hereby declare that that argument is now null and void. Yeah. Because there's nothing we can do. Short of moving to Europe or Canada. Yeah. Which is nice, by the way. Um, and it's pointless. And I don't, I, I neither agree nor disagree with people who are upset about that. I don't want to pay a buck fifty an episode either, honestly. But also, I'll do it and it's great. I, yeah. It's the I, at best buck fifty I'll at spend. The, at this point, with three episodes in, it's absolutely worth yeah, it to me. Yeah. It's so, totally worth so, it. So, but I'm, I'm done with trying to convince people to do it. I don't, yeah. I don't care. Um, so, those arguments are null and void. The other negative responses, like I haven't really seen uh, the, and then some of the other negative responses where people hung up about like, why are there holograms? Yeah. You know, for 50 years of Trek, when you wanted to talk to another ship, a view screen was good enough for me. Why are there holograms? Like, because oh, holograms look cool, dude. They do. <laughs> you know, so shut up. And like, and why do the Klingons look different? Oh, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. 
Like, they do. Because they, they do. Shut up and watch I the thought the, the Klingons look great. I thought they, every, <laughs> it, it, they sounded great. I was way more engrossed than I would Tukovma. think about that, you know? Yeah, sympathy for Tacoma, man. He has been misunderstood. He just loved Kayla so much. And um, his gal pal, uh, Mary Chifo's Laurel, I'm waiting for more of her. Vok, whose eye was bloody at the end of episode yes, two. It was. And uh, Call, we're going to see. I think Call is going to be important. He only showed up as a hologram so far. And that's the... Vul- he, was, he was the first guy that... It's oh, like, I'm out. Yeah. He's like, okay. screw you guys. I am out. And then uh, Vok, son of none. <laughs> I am Vok, son of none. What's cooler, son of none or a king in the north? Oh, that's a tough question for me. <laughs> Come on. They were both very cool. I mean... I am Vok, son of none. <laughs> I don't know how to say it in Klingon. I got to get one of my Klingon interpreters on here. Hopefully, see episode four. We get a little bit of. Uh, we get some of our boys back. We get Vok. Yeah, no. I was going to ask you of how many of those Klingons that we have seen. I mean, or which ones will be prominent moving forward? I mean, obviously, I think the one that uh, that said no. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Vok, Lorel, and Vok and obviously has to come back. Because yeah, he's now the guy. Yeah, he's the torchbearer now. Yeah. Um. Or the leader of the the uniters, the would be he he's he's the heir apparent to Takuvma's plan. Yes, and he's the you know he believes in Kalis and I be Klingon and be only Klingon. And uh, Lorel, I will be important too. Um, I don't want her to be just like behind every man. There's a good woman. I want her to have her own uh, her own arc, her own agency, as they say. Um, and then we're gonna see that dude. Um, Call as the antagonist within the, and maybe Call is gonna team up with, um, Lorca or something. Wow, that would be interesting because he doesn't want to unite, and he's gonna be maybe I don't know. I'm just spitballing. These are we're we're almost at the point now where we can start having crazy fan theories. I think we need one more episode. Yeah, maybe a little more because we've only had one of the of the the show actual discovery. The show hasn't actually started yet. (laughs) This friggin' show, man, it's delayed a year, and now it's episode three, and like it's still like it's still building, but it's all cool. It's all cool, but like I feel like now we finally are in. You know that other ship got killed. How brutal was that death of uh, Stamets's buddy? I forget his name. On the other ship, oh, yeah, he's all mangled. Ship. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that at all. That was all gross. those bodies were <laughs> really mangled. That's <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And the beast on the ship is cool, whatever yes, it is. it was very cool. And then she goes full James Cameron aliens and goes up into the Jeffrey's tube to escape. And, and, you know, and, she, and she's reciting the Alice in Wonderland. Right. It was a little corny, but all right. A, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, yeah, but it, it worked for me. Yeah. It, it came together when she handed the book to- uh, Gotta do something other than just shout. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you gotta do something. So, and, and, you know, so that is an example of an actor getting a tough- thing to do and nailing it yes like a lesser performer could not have done the recitation of alice in wonderland while running away from a giant computer generated beast, crawling crawling (laughs) from a computer generated beast she sold it because sonequa is great and i'm telling you she's gonna be a huge star you know when you know when she's able to fit in feature films while shooting this and when this is done or whatever you know, she's major. So um, you know? my, my next question involving that beast is that clearly everyone on this ship that was present when this accident happened yes. was horribly mangled. Why yes. is that beast still uh, walking around alive and breathing? There are a lot of questions that haven't been answered. We don't even know what caught... Oh, what it is. I think, and why it was there. There's yeah. three There's three things that happened on that ship, and I don't, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't write down the name of the ship, and it's... You know, they're so nuts with spoilers on uh, for CBS oh, yeah. right now. I, I was going to think I could can't look it up, Google but there's it. no way I can Google we it. We can't Google it. We can next, next in a couple, by, by the time this airs, we can Google it. Yeah. But it's, let's call it the USS, the, the USS Brian. Yeah, there we go. Great so name. So they go on the USS Brian, and um, you've got the the fabric of time, space-time that they are monkeying with to create instant warp travel has somehow caused an effect that made these people turn into a stretched out Charleston Chew. Yeah. And um, so uh, Stamets' buddy is now a stretched out Charleston Chew. And by the way, Anthony Rapp, great, you know, he only has a second. He's a pro. He's on an away mission. Does not let emotion get the better of him. But he's like, holy 
crap, that's my good friend. Oh, I mean, you know, I, I think they were scene. they were applying more than that. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I know where you're going with that because you know, Anthony, it's been in the press that Anthony Rapp's character is going to be gay and I, out. I mean, I I very clearly felt that that felt was that? that was his partner. Okay, the only reason why I say no is because I just know from from what I'm told that his partner on the show, I don't know that this is a spoiler, and if it is, too bad. I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> the character that's supposed to play his partner in, in his life partner. Is the medic is either the chief medical officer or a medical officer on Discovery? Okay, so he's elsewhere on. Okay, the, fair enough. So I think I mean it's it's all it's it's all implication right now, but I think that that guy was just his buddy. It was the uh, but and they w- were working on the project together on on the the other ship. Uh, there was a point where maybe it wasn't on the other ship, but when when uh, Stamets was explaining, you know, why he doesn't like uh, Burnham. Yeah. Because, you know, like, oh, we used to be on the same ship. Me and my friend here, we were on the same ship together. Oh, maybe. Well, I, I, I kind of got that implication. You know what? It, that's, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I only because I know that his um, partner is the medical officer. But maybe okay. he, they're going to fall in love next week. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I think it was just that they were, you know, science bros together and they were working on this thing. And that's the other thing. And this is a big arc that we haven't really talked about because it's still in its in its... It's still being worked out. Everybody in the world, everybody on the ship and in the future, blames the mutineer for this war. Yes. And that's a little bit unfair. Because I think what the truth of the matter is, I think that the Klingons would have fired upon the Federation ships anyway, regardless of Burnham raising shields. Well. Is she the mutineer because of the uh, the insubordination with Captain Giorgio, or yeah. is she the mutineer because I mean, if you remember their plan, they said yeah. that let's let's take Takovma captive to to show him as a as a weak right. person, but she actually shoots him almost potentially out of anger for stabbing Captain Giorgio. I, I think she goofed. so yeah. So there's... which which aspect is she the mutineer for for causing the war? All right, this is great and. It's funny that we're talking about this now because we should have led with this. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. So there's like four things happening here. Number one, um, she did commit an unpardonable act of insubordination. Yes. She used the Vulcan pinch on her captain. Spock was insubordinate to Kirk a few times, but never to that level. Um, but she she really went over the top on that one, and that is bad. Yes. And, you know, Worf committed acts of insubordination and lost a stripe. And, you know, he will never be a captain uh, in, in the in the books and whatever because of what he did, because he went back for Jadzia when they were on some planet or whatnot. So, like, the, there are ramifications for acts of insubordination. So she did that. And then I think people unknowingly blame her for the death of Giorgio. And I think probably Burnham blames herself. Yeah, absolutely she does, yes. And I don't know necessarily that it was her fault. I think they were in a fight and and just Burnham was overpowered by Tukovma and got killed. That's all there is to it. I mean, the the next question I was going to ask was that, you know, had had Burnham got the shot off before Giorgio got up, how would this have changed? And killed Tukovma? Well, no, 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 no. Let's say they brought Takovma back as planned. No, 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 not that part. Um, when when she's first trying to fire the shot from the Shenzhou, but but oh, uh, Captain George stops. It stops still would have been bad. It. it still would have been bad because Starfleet doesn't fire first. But yeah, yes, they, but, but Georgia but, would not have been killed, and all those other ships wouldn't have been destroyed either. Yeah, but maybe those other ships wouldn't have come. Or, and now it was pretty close afterwards. Or maybe they would have seen it that this ship's already destroyed. Okay, maybe I'm going to just peace out. Right. Uh, it's a good question. Um, I think that if she got the shot off beforehand, certainly the Federation would have had the upper hand. The Europa would not have been destroyed. Yes. Cor- uh, Commander so and so, who was Admiral so and so, who got killed, would not have been killed. So it would have been a better day. Now, the other Admiral thing. Admiral Anderson? No, Ad- Admiral no, Admiral no, White guy, whatever his name was, but here's here's a very key point which I was talking about with someone who who was very involved with the show. At the end of episode two, when she gets condemned by that council of three people who are in shadow, and they say you will be stripped of rank and sent to a penal colony for life, she never defends herself. Yeah, she flat out says I'm guilty. Yeah, she says I'm guilty and. There was no one else to see it. No one else saw what happened on that ship. 
and no one else is going to speak up for her because of what happened on the bridge because, you know, they were all loyal to Giorgio and they blame her for Giorgio's death. Yes. But the truth of the matter is she certainly was insubordinate, but she was right. She was right. She was a, her instincts were 100% correct. Her methods were not correct, but her instincts were correct. And she just, you know, they weren't able to cross the finish line when they did the away mission to the other ship. I think if more, and now we cut to six months later for episode three, and they're like, oh my God, that's the mutineer. They all blame her for the war. And of course, yeah. everybody in, in Starfleet has a friend who was killed in the war by now or something like yeah. that. So they all just hate her. And the truth of the matter is, she, she's not as bad as they all think. However, Burnham has internalized this. And she... She agrees with them. She agrees with them. She puts up no fight. She does not defend herself because she hates herself as much as they hate her. And she's being a little bit unfair to herself, I think. I think that if she had a, law, a better lawyer... <laughs> I mean, not just that. If had, she How about I had a lawyer? Had a lawyer. Or, or just stood up for herself. Or if there was a way to let people know, here's what actually went down... They would not be making her the scapegoat for the entire but, war, but and I think that this is going to become more evident in later episodes. The, I really, the, do. there must have been debriefings of some some kind. She must have actually said, "Hey, this is how it went down." There must Maybe be some not. record of it. Maybe not. Georgia was her mother figure. She loved her for seven years. She was working under her. She's devastated because she feels that she killed Giorgio because she started the situation and was unable to protect her on the other ship. So she might have just be. As soon as Giorgio died and she screams on the transporter deck, she might have just been like a mute throughout the whole process. Maybe. Good we point, don't know. Good point. We don't know. So I think that this is going to be going to come out as part of Burnham's whole redemption arc. I mean, the, hopefully by the end of season one, uh, Lorca and the gang and Stamets and, and Tilly and everybody are going to realize that Burnham is the best. I mean, even Saru says... She's the best officer I've ever seen, yeah. except for that one time she she took yeah. over the ship, right? <laughs> so there's uh, aside for her insubordination. Aside for her insubordination, she's the best. She's the best. Uh, so hey, listen, everybody makes one mistake. Yeah. My God, you know, it makes her very human. So I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to for uh, for for what's coming up in season uh, for episode four. And um, I don't know. What do you want to see in the next episode? Um, well, uh, there's a couple of other things I wanted to ask about, too. So um, obviously th- we've established that there's some shady dealings on this sh- on the discovery. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to how Saru is, is stationed on this. Right. Because he, he seems like he an seemed, honorable man. He seems right? like really on the up and up. And I'm very confused as to. I mean, we really didn't see, even see much interaction between Lorca and Saru, which I'm curious to see uh, moving forward. Mm, that's and how point. and how he gets around his kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say by the book, but I mean, he definitely seems like he's on the the right. I think side. the answer is they're like we're at war and we gotta we gotta win this thing. But you're absolutely right because Saru does seem like somebody who wouldn't be part of sort of black ops stuff yes you know maybe we're maybe we're uh being too negative about discovery maybe it's not as you know we're so conditioned to mistrust well i mean the government okay, well, okay but but maybe we're, it's we're not talking that about bad. there was a scene where he's in he's in a room and he walks up and it's all oh, shadows everywhere he walks up to the wall and then you see the giant creature there right they did not show so i mean that's questionable. That does not seem like something that would happen in Starfleet. I mean, no, to steal that thing. Oh yeah. So by the way, we we were and we, and yeah, yeah. they blew up the ship. Well, they did that though because it had all the data of the new but, stuff. But we got to call this a ha, thing. Have the we drive. Ever, have we the, ever seen that before? Has another Starfleet ship ever blown up another ship because uh, it was? To, to, to keep it out of falling in the hands of the enemy. Um, that is a very good question, and I think the answer is no. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, they were covering the tracks. Yes. They were covering the tracks. That's some... Um, if it happened earlier, I'm forgetting. It would have been... It, that's some deep Dominion War activity. Um, but, I mean, to me, it was like, you know... Also, they are doing shady things, and we yeah. need to make sure that nobody knows this is going on. Right, right. No, I t- it totally there was no record sense. of this. As, as you know, our escape for yeah. continuity breaches. They're having burn bags <laughs> at the CIA. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And you're right. Saru seems like like what would Spock do, right? Because Saru is sort of like a Spock uh, yeah, that is, ish that, character. That is very true. I do see that. What would he do? I don't know. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, there's more to come, uh, and it's a good question. And then, um, uh, lastly, 
uh, I'm I'm very curious to see how um, Burnham fits into this crew. Like what what her position is. I mean, does does is she under Saru now? Or is she equal? Is, does she even have a rank? Oh, that's a good question. I think probably. And how will Saru react to to um, to her being? part right. of this this mission I now. think they're going to recognize that she's a clutch player and they yeah. need her for her strength and her quick wit and you know she was able to escape that beast by fi- you know, she figured out a way to save them all yes she saved everybody on that away team and um, all the information they they were able to take from that ship right and she knows she, nobody knows Klingons like her yeah so Lorca is going to protect her and um I keep forgetting her name. The the woman who is the chief of security. Oh, I lost already too. Yeah, Paley? Landry, 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 Paley, whatever. Landry's going to protect her, even though Landry hates her because you're the one who started this war. Blah. Yeah. Um. So they're going to recognize her, but maybe they'll double cross her. Maybe what'll happen is they'll use her up for all of her Klingon knowledge, throw her away, and then it's going to be Stamets and Saru that stand up for. Her. We don't know. There's so much to think about. Yeah. So um. I don't know. I think that's about it for this week. Um, let me know your theories out there in podcast land. You can always go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast, facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. You can tweet at me at, at Jay Hoffman. At Jay Hoffman is how you can tweet at me. You can't tweet at Brian because Brian, Brian don't tweet. Machete don't text. Charlie don't surf. <laughs> Brian, don't tweet. But you can tweet at him through me, and I'll get the message to him. You know, I do get messages about you, Brian. Really? I, I hope they're not too awful. No, it's you. You know, I get on Facebook sometimes, um, not on the wall, but directly into my inbox on Facebook. I get, you know, oh, I enjoyed episode 55, or oh, episode 54 sucked, or, you know, whatever it is. And then a lot of times it's you and Brian are so great. It's not just oh, you. Great. It's, uh, I love hearing you and Brian talk to the guest. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to hog the spotlight here. This is, uh, you know. Well, thank you, know. you out there. Yeah. Well, there's the one guy who does it. You know? Thank you, that one guy. <laughs> cool. All right. So next week we're going to have episode four recap. Do we know the name? That's the one with the real florid name. Oh, yeah. I have it up here. Uh, the next episode is The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Who do you think is going to say that? Because now that we know these titles Lorca. are coming from... Absolutely Lorca. The butcher's not, knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Yeah, absolutely him. That's not a that's not a, a Klingon line? Vlach, blocher, blach, cares, vlach. You're right. No, um, I'm actually very... Another thing, I'm very curious to see how they incorporate the Klingons on a weekly basis. Yeah, are we just going to see them on that ship? Or are they going to get the heck off of that ship once yeah. in a while? I want to um, see them at home it would be very. TV. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they, making dinner. they do that. Maybe making dinner, and that's why they talk <laughs> about the butcher. There you go. It's the second longest title in Star Trek. Which is the longest? The longest is season three TOS for The World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. Ah. Which is a beautiful title. And a pretty medium plus episode. It's a bones centric episode, so you'd think I would love it, and I merely like it. Uh-huh. I've always wanted to like that episode more. But you know, the prop from from the world is hollow. Um, the green thing. It's like a big computer. It's like a big. It's the thing. It's the green thing from that <laughs> episode. Is up in Ticonderoga, like the oh, actual okay. one. It's pretty great. Um, it's like the thing they all pray to, and it's a computer thingamajig. I don't know. Um, all right, cool. Well, listen, uh, that's the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends to listen. I hope you're all enjoying Star Trek. We're in the thick of it now. Episode three is done. I hope you liked it. Um, I and if if you were on the fence about one and two, hopefully three swung in a way that you liked more. I think so. It, it starts to feel a little bit more like. TV Star Trek in episode three. I think so too. I, th- I think this is, it sets the tone a little yeah. more. Episode one and two felt like movie Star Trek. Yeah, it did. And but it, but yeah, right, it was still fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I've loved every second of this yeah. so far. No, I, and I love the Star Trek movies, but it felt like movie Star Trek. I mean, some of it is just the budget. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of money in one and two. And those are some fantastic space battles. They were great. The shots of Burnham getting from the uh, brig to the other side of the ship, going yes. through the cube. That very Tron-looking brig. That, that might be my favorite scene that's happened so far, I think, actually. That whole exchange with the computer. <coughs> well, it's very Kirk. It, it it's, is. It's, it is. That's the most original series we've seen, is her talking to that computer and then jumping through. Um, and I'm going to try to keep my eyes open more in episode four for more sort of little connections to old Star Trek. You know, either visually like the 
data chip or that scene because I bet you there's going to be one there probably will be. All right, guys. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.